Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, good morning again, everybody. Hope you had a great holiday with your family. If you didn't, I pray that the Lord blesses you today and encourages you. And if uh, many times holidays are a time that people um, struggle with loss and grief, but I want you to know that God is, God is the God who meets you there and he's with you in it. And so we celebrate and are thankful that he is here even in our difficult times. But it was a great time with, with my family uh, this week and uh, it was a lot of fun. We, uh, we decided to do something a little different. My son decided to make beef wellington. Anybody ever made beef wellington? Okay. It kicked the turkey's butt, I'm just saying. It was, uh, but it, it was a great time and so it was so wonderful. And uh, I want you to know on Thanksgiving, I was giving thanks for you. My family was giving thanks for you and we'll all that God's doing here in our church. We're continuing this series on um, unlikely choices. And speaking of, of Christmas, this is a Christmas series, just a reminder, <clears throat> excuse me, this Christmas Eve, we normally will do uh, multiple services, but because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, we just thought it'd be great for us to do one big service at our normal church time at 10 a.m. So our Christmas Eve service, it's still going to be the same fun, the same festivities, the same stuff happening in the atrium. But we just thought it'd be so great just to invite the whole community to one service at our normal church service hour and just celebrate the birth of Christ together. It's going to be a lot of fun, candlelights and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be great. So that's just a reminder of you. And also want to just invite you, invite some friends to come to church that, that Sunday, that they could come and experience hope and peace of Jesus Christ, because that's what Christmas is all about. And we're, we're in this series looking at this, this, this story and the story and the account of God bringing his son to the earth. He used unlikely people, <clears throat> unlikely choices that people, us, the world, the flesh wouldn't normally choose the type of individuals that God seemed to use. And so as you look in the book of Matthew in the first chapter, it goes through the genealogy of Jesus. And when you look at some of the names in there, you think, man, I, I, if, if I was being you know, self-preserving, I probably wouldn't put some of those names in there because you have, you have some very scandalous names. And the journey of how we came to Jesus being born from Mary. But I'm not going to begin in the gene genealogy today. I want to begin with the first character that we see in the book of Matthew that God encounters. The first one that's mentioned, actually, as, as we look at this, and it's the life of Joseph. When you look at the life of Joseph, you wouldn't think, hey, this is a man that God would choose or select to be someone that he would bring the Savior of the world and entrust the Savior of the world to Joseph. To set this up a bit, Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. And so, as we know, one day Mary does come to Joseph and, and tells him, um, hey, Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant. Now, Mary is still a virgin. Now, back in those days, to pledge to be married was a legal binding um, understanding. And so they would be legally bound and then for a year they would be engaged and then they'd have a big celebration. So as you can imagine, this created some questions for Joseph. There's some tensions that are going on with Joseph after Mary comes and says, hey, I'm 
pregnant. Now Joseph knows because he's a, he's a faithful, righteous man. Wait a minute, we, we haven't gotten married yet. We haven't had sex yet. What do you mean you're married? So now Joseph has to make some decisions about their engagement. He has to make some decisions about, is he going to continue with this? And Joseph is a, is a righteous man. But you don't really hear a lot about Joseph. You don't hear a lot about the things of Joseph and the details of his life. But I believe that God wants to speak to us today from his unlikely choice of choosing Joseph in this incredible story of Jesus coming and being born as a babe in a manger. And we begin in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary's, Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So the scripture tells us that there was this legal binding engagement, which was the same as marriage. So when someone was engaged back in those days, when they were in those, they were, it was, it was a binding contract that both families had agreed with. It was a public acknowledgement before the community, before everybody else, hey, these two are going to get married and raise a family. And so it was announced. And once that engagement was announced, the families were all in agreement. And then one year, they would have the big celebration. The whole community would come. Everybody would celebrate. Then they would move in together and officially be married by consummating the marriage. For Joseph, though, it's important we understand where he's at and what's going on. Because the community had already heard the announcement. They'd already had the, the engagement announcement. They put it on Facebook and Instagram, and like it, they did a whole TikTok. They did an engagement reveal party. It was great. It was wonderful. Everybody knew. Everybody was aware that Joseph, yeah, you're engaged to Mary. And so for Joseph to call off this engagement is a big deal. It's a big deal because there are repercussions of it. It's gonna have some ripple effects in what happens in the family. It's gonna have some ripple effects what happens in the community. It's gonna have a ripple effect with Joseph as he thinks about maybe getting married again. It would, it's a very awkward thing and it, it was almost as though at the tearing of, of two families apart, it's, it was much like divorce today. And so Joseph's facing these pressures. He knows there's gonna be some issues. 
And you can imagine Joseph is feeling some tensions, some anxieties. He feels betrayed. Now, the reason why Joseph was going to break this off, because it wasn't that he believed Mary. It's because he didn't believe Mary. He didn't say, oh, well, I don't actually want to be involved in this story of an angel coming to you and you being pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Messiah coming through, you know, being birthed. Actually, ah, that's, I, I don't know. I don't, I, that's a little too much for me. That's not why he said, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to break this off privately. He said it because he thought Mary was a liar. He said it because he thought Mary had slept with another man. And so he was carrying the weight of all of this. He also was carrying the weight of all of the, all of the thoughts. One, Mary has sinned. This woman he thought was righteous. He thought she was, he, he had watched her. He had seen her integrity. He had seen how she honors God with her life, how she honored her parents, how she had a reputation. She was the Proverbs 31 woman. And he had been thanking God like, wow, God, thank you for bringing me Mary. He had thought about the family they would raise together. He thought about, man, I'm so thankful. I want my daughters to turn out to be like Mary. I want my sons to want to marry a woman like Mary. He had done it all. He had even said her name. What does it sound like with her having my last name? And then he's heartbroken. And what I love about the Christmas story is that, it's that God does these things in ways that just we would never do them. Why? Because there's too much scandal in them. Most people make decisions today based off of this question. What are people going to think? Most, most, speaking from my context, most pastors, before they teach something, they, they think this. Teach something from the Bible. This is what they think. Ooh, what are people going to think? Most people, before they speak up about Jesus or speak up about the truth of, in God's word or, or be different than everyone else around them because they want to honor Christ, they go, ooh, what are people going to think? But the story of Christmas tells us that's not the first question God ever asked about his will and his purposes. He thinks, what is my will and what is my purpose? And I'm going to do it because I'm God. It's an, actually, it's a, it's a really strong example about how we are to live our, to live our lives as believers But here's Joseph. This whole thing is kind of just broken and shattered and fallen apart. But we also see in the midst of this, even though Joseph was quietly going to divorce her and did, and they had already separated, it sounds like it wasn't official yet because there wasn't an announcement yet about the divorce. We also see, though, there's something about Joseph that is really 
a great example for us as an unlikely choice. The Bible says he was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her in public disgrace. It says a lot about his integrity. It says a lot about his understanding of what his role was as a man. It was to protect women. He understands his God-given calling as a man is to protect women's integrity, not exploit them, not use them, not, not shame them, not, not display them in shame, but actually protect them. It, it, really, it really says a lot about who he is as a man. He was still protecting her while he thought she was lying to him. Now, the Scripture says... He did not want to expose her in public disgrace. He was faithful to the law and yet, look, and yet did not want to expose her in public disgrace. In other words, it would have been within his rights to do so. It would have been within the culture to publicly disgrace and shame Mary. But Joseph didn't want to do that. He said, I'm I'm not going to do that. He was an honoring man. He was loving. And though he knew, yes, in his mind, he he, had concluded Mary has sinned, but I'm not going to publicly, I I, I know Heather, I'm not going to do it. We know that after the angel announced to Mary and then Mary shared that with Joseph, what happened to Mary? Well, we know that she quietly had gone away to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And that was probably about 70 miles away according to to the layout of the land. But Joseph remains in Nazareth and Joseph's life continues. He, He goes about being a carpenter, doing what he does. I have to think as a carpenter, you know, he was getting the house ready and he talked to Mary, hey, what kind of, what kind of cabinets you want? And, and how, you know, a double oven, a gas stove. Like, how, how, how do we, do you want an island? Because he's a carpenter, that's what he does. Maybe they discussed some of these things and, and she had looked in and he had seen the, the, the smile on her face, the excitement of, wow, one day I get to cook falafels and hummus in this, in this kitchen. I'm so excited. There had been preparation because that's, and especially in those days, that's what men do. They prepare to take care of a family. So every time he came home, he had to see stuff that he had prepared for Mary that she would never experience. He had to work through the the pain. He He had to work through the scenario every day in his own mind about Mary. And then as a man, you, you know, he's, he's got to be thinking this. Who was it? Who was the man? So he's in pain. He's struggling. He's tired emotionally, physically, spiritually. All the, all the, all the, the imagery in his own mind that he... He couldn't wait for Mary to be in the house or Mary to be in the backyard or to come home and see Mary pregnant. It's not only Joseph, this is an unlikely choice. 
It is an unlikely way that we as humans would ever do the things of God. Because it doesn't make sense because it, it brings chaos and scandal and All of his hopes and his dreams, all of his hard work had been for nothing. And his, his heart has to be broken just like any man in this room. And he goes to bed one night. Tosses and turns and probably can't fall asleep. And he's just now getting to the place that the, the pain maybe is drifting off just a little bit. So he can finally fall asleep. And he has a dream. And the angel of the Lord appears to him. And he says, Joseph, Mary's not lying. I'd have to think his, his heart is like, <gasps> everything I believed about her was true. Everything I originally thought she was still is true. She wasn't unfaithful. She wasn't a liar. And so, God's unlikely choice of Joseph in this incredible story of God coming to earth. So what is God saying to us through his, his unlikely choice of Joseph. What can, we, what can we look at Joseph's life? Number one, we see this. God isn't looking to use heroes. He's looking to use humble servants. Because in our mind, just like in our fleshly mind, we, we, wouldn't, we would never think that God would do something that would bring scandal but we also, because in our humanity, think that God looks to use heroes to add to his glory. But he actually looks for humble servants so that he can get all the glory through that individual's life. That's the truth. I don't know if you've noticed in the, in the text that we just read, it, it was very careful not to call Joseph the father of Jesus. Instead, it points out that Jesus was biologically the son of Mary. So Joseph's role in this story, is, it isn't that he was the father, he was the creator, he was the, he was the, the one who presided over, no. He was one of a servant. He's not the center of the story. We always think God's likely choice is to choose someone to be the center of the story, center stage, in front of everybody, on the stage, with the spotlight, with the, with the, the books, and, and with the TV show, and, and with the following on Instagram, and with, oh, that's God's choice. Not so with Joseph. He's to be a servant. We don't even know a whole lot about him. Many of us think that if what it means to have an impact and what it means for God to use my life 
in his grand story of his kingdom on the earth, it's, it's got to be about, it, it's about me being the hero. Me being the superstar. Me having it all together. And me having to manage my time because everybody wants me so much. That's not the case for God's choice for Joseph. He was not the main character. He was the supporting role. Joseph, Joseph's role, I want you to think about this for a moment, was to serve the purposes of God by serving Mary, his virgin, pregnant wife, and ultimately taking care of Jesus. Scripture tells us that Mary and Joseph did not consummate their marriage until after the birth of Jesus. So after Jesus was born, they went on to have more children. Some denominations would say Mary never had any other children. That is a total violation of what the scriptures say. Went on to have other children. We don't, we don't know a whole lot. I mean, but can you imagine like the responsibility sometimes Joseph felt like this is God's son. This is the Messiah of the world. This is the one who came to save the world. Like the, an angel appeared to me, an angel appeared to Mary, and then Mary's like, hey, Joseph, just keep an eye on the kids. He's like, okay, where's Jesus? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? <laughs> Not that this is actually, I don't think this has anything to do with my conclusion, what I'm about to tell you. But when Joseph went, to the temple when Jesus was 12. He goes to the temple, he's come back, comes back to join the rest of the family. They're hanging out, had to be Mary. Uh, Joseph, where's Jesus? I'll be right back, hang on. But from that point on, Joseph is never mentioned ever again in the Bible. It's a funny fact. I don't know if it means anything. But God's like, and we're done with you. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. But it's true. But Joseph was given the, the job to, to take care of the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. It was, Jesus was not Joseph's son. It's, it's so important we understand this. That Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the seed of Jesus was the seed of the divine, was placed in the womb of Mary. And Joseph had nothing to do with it. And he knew it. Very essential part of the Christmas story that Mary was a virgin. It's the bedrock of Christianity. There are a lot of people I know today who struggle with 
with this, this idea because of the virgin birth. They're like, yeah, right, sure. Now, I'm sure if, if Joseph heard their struggle, maybe you struggle today with this reality of the virgin birth. I think he'd probably say something like, oh, you think you struggle with the virgin birth? Like, you don't know struggle till you were in my shoes. But the virgin birth has great significance for us who call Jesus Lord. Because you have to understand why. It's, it's important. You have to go back to the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve sinned and God says to Satan who deceived them and Eve... Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he, meaning the seed of the woman, meaning this, this, the Jesus we're talking about right now, being, birth, being planted in the womb of Mary, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In other words, God says, the very first story of sin, I will provide a solution to sin through humanity. I mean, humanity is a very unlikely choice of God to solve our sin problem as well. And he mentions the, the woman later. And the woman later we know is Mary. But he mentions the offspring, later to be known as Jesus. And there's a very simple truth found in this passage that we just read, and it's the statement from God that says this. If we look at it, it's at the beginning says, and I will, I will, I will. And this applies to everything within that passage. God initiates the plan of rescue to bring salvation that involves humanity, but it's not dependent upon humanity. God says, I will. This means that humanity needs to be rescued, needs to be saved, needs to be redeemed, needs to be pulled out of our condition. But it can only come through God himself, not from our own efforts, not from all flesh, not from our rituals, not from our works, not from our, our, our own penance. Not from what we think, how we should be saved. All of us, as in our own human thinking that is, that is corrupted by our own human self-efforts, self that we can be saved by ourselves or we can somehow make a plan to save ourselves, this whole plan of God is like, humans, you can't save yourself. People, you can't save yourself. So I, God, will provide the way and save you. And my solution will pop the head of Satan underneath my heel, which is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And when he rises from the dead, we now all have the ability to be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. But here's what's wild and crazy, that God would use humanity in the same story that he, that he initiates to save humanity, and he involves Joseph. Not a perfect man, because he needed Jesus too. But he uses him. And Christmas is about God coming fully man. Christmas is about God becoming 
a babe just like we were. Christmas is about Jesus coming, the pathway which we came as broken humanity, but he was fully God and fully human. That's why he could save mankind and humanity. But he was sinless. And the only thing that broke him was his sacrifice on the cross. But he did that for us. And it was the great message of the gospel that God used a man named Joseph, obscure in the journey, to do something tremendous. Joseph is a man and is entrusted with God wrapped in the flesh to take care of. I mean, the human Joseph, given the responsibility to raise the one who would rescue Joseph. It's an unlikely choice. But God delights in using things and ways that go outside of our own understanding to accomplish our greatest needs. But what I love about this story is it also says that humanity is not irrelevant. It's not insignificant. You are human today because God made you human. So many people despise their humanity. Oh, I hate that I'm human. I hate that I have this in my life and I hate these things. And we despise the very thing that God created us to be. You aren't despised. You're not nasty. You're not, you're not something to be thrown away. Our humanity leads us to understanding that Jesus brings us as the perfect human to the place of our completion. So you're not to be embarrassed that you're human. Because God created you human and said you're very good. Yes, we have sin and brokenness in our life, but your humanity, God created, you are marked with his image. It's our brokenness and our sin that Jesus came in the Christmas story to set us free from. The Christmas story is not about God despising your humanness, but it's by valuing it so much that Jesus came to crush the curse of sin on your flesh and redeem you. And God entrusted that to Joseph to be a part of that. The story of Joseph is that God delights in bringing us humans and to his incredible divine purposes. So this might mean in your family, God has a divine purpose for your family. It might mean in your marriage, God has a divine purpose in your marriage. It might mean as a father or as, or as a mother, God has a divine purpose in your fatherhood and motherhood. It might mean in your work or what God's placed you in or where he's placed you to be. It means God has a divine purpose for wherever and everywhere you are. And God's not looking for heroes to make a difference through. He's just looking for hum humble servants to say, God, hey, can you use me to transform the world around me? Can you use me? 
to be a light in the midst of darkness? Can you use me to bring forth the kingdom of God on the earth and impact people and transform people's lives? Can you use me? And God says, absolutely I can. Because that's who God used in the beginning of the story of the Savior of the world. He used humans. People like you and me. God delights in bringing us humans to our incredible divine purpose. And you can walk that out exactly where you are today. And so God says, hey, Joseph, go ahead and take Mary, the, who has the child in her womb, into your home. And then the angel says this. this is the angel, I love how God uses this. It's so great. So in those days, the father names the children. There's one instance in the, in the scriptures where, where the, the mother named the child, but then the father immediately changed the name to mean something else. But here, here's the son of God. The angel tells Joseph, he says, and when she gives birth, you are to give him the name Jesus. You are. He didn't say, I'll name him. He says, no, you, you do it, Joseph. Because God delights to involve us in his story and give us, let us be honored to be a part of doing something in his story. Because that's why he designed us, to bring forth his purposes on the earth wherever we are. Like you give him the name. And then, and then because he will save his people from their sins. J Joseph had to think, you, you, you want me to name him? Can't you just announce it in the sky? I, you, I get to name him? Yeah. And so God entrusted a portion of his plan from the beginning of time to redeem humanity to Joseph to be a part of the story. So the question comes to you all, what does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in your family? What does God want to do in your workplace? What does God want to do through the, the legacy of your life? What does God want you to do at your school? What does God want you to do at King Supers? What does God want you to do? He is writing an incredible story that is, that is longing to impact and transform people's lives. And he's inviting you into being a part of that story and that you get to be a part and be like, I can't believe that I got to be a part of that. I can't believe I just told this person about Christ. I, I just told this person about how God healed my heart from divorce. Or I just told this person about how God changed me from the life of promiscuity that I used to have, that he's restored my purity and my integrity. I just told someone that, that I gave my life to Jesus and he changed my mind and I, I, I stopped thinking these thoughts about myself. I stopped self-harming and, and I gave my life to Jesus and, and, and my story changed them. What an honor this is that we have. It's our story, and God involves us into the kingdom on the earth. Second thing we can learn from Joseph is this. Whatever God asks of you, 
he will give you the ability to do it. Most of us revert back to, yes, but I can't do that. You're right, you're thinking like, a, like, like, like the world does, like through the flesh. But God says, Jesus said, with man, you're right, that's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So the angel told Joseph, take Mary into your home. And as your wife says, immediately he woke up. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. So Joseph goes on his journey to go get Mary, who's 70 miles away. She'd been there for about three months now. And I, I, don't, I don't think they've communicated much. I think Joseph was like, no thanks, I'm good. Mary's heart had to be broken and hurting. And her response to, to what the angel said, said to her was she said, let it be so, your servant, I'm your servant, let it be so. Whatever you said, let it be so, let your will be done. Now it calls her to be 70 miles away from the, from the man she, was, she had dreamt about spending her life with and her reputation is shattered and broken. And then Joseph comes to where Mary is. The reason why Mary was there was because Joseph didn't believe her. Mary's father didn't believe her. And they were getting her out of town to shield the shame from the family and the community. But Joseph got up and he, and he left. And I, I can't imagine what he was thinking about on his journey to go see, to go see Mary. I don't know if he's thinking, is she going to be like, well, I told you it was an angel. I don't think she would say that. I don't know the tension. But I'm sure they're thinking about the last time they were together. It wasn't the greatest of conversations. So Joseph goes and he sees Elizabeth, who's very well respected with her husband, Zachariah, and says, hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here to see Mary. And I think a good question for Zachariah would be, why? What are you here to, to see, to say? I don't know what's going on with the, in the dynamic. So I, I imagine Elizabeth goes ahead and says, hey, Mary, um, Joseph's here. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what Mary's thinking. I'm sure Elizabeth and Zachariah had encouraged her, had strengthened her, but the man she loved had Rejected her. So Joseph, Mary, yes. He opens the door, 
she may be expecting to see someone who's a little ticked off, a little frustrated. I can imagine she notices something a little different about his posture. His body language is a little different than the last time they spoke. And then Joseph says, Mary, an angel appeared to me. I can imagine both of their body languages melt. I can imagine Joseph would go over and wrap his arms around her and just say, I'm sorry. Let's go home. And I don't know how Joseph dealt with everything that he had to deal with. But God gave him the ability to do it. God gave him the ability to face rejection once Jesus was born. God gave him the ability to encourage Mary as she heard whispers of the scuttle of the town. And Joseph fulfilled his role to protect Mary and to love and to provide for her and this child that would be an unlikely choice of how God would do things. And if I was them, I would have hung this verse, I would have got a plaque from Hobby Lobby that had this verse on it, <laughs> Isaiah 7:14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. I'd hang that on my front door facing outwards. God's choices don't always align with how we would do things. And God is not looking for heroes who have it all together. He's looking for humble servants. Even in our doubts, even in our difficulties, even if we can't, how does the virgin birth? I don't, just like Joseph, he uses unlikely people to do unlikely things so that we can give him all the glory and all the honor that somehow we were a part of this incredible story. of changing families for generations. You don't have to be like your dad. 
You don't have to be like your mom. You don't, you don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to walk around thinking you're nothing. You don't have to be a failed businessman. You, you don't have to live under the weight of people's judgment against you or the guilt of something you did. By the grace of God, He can move in our life, restore us just like He did Joseph. He restored Joseph from being this close to divorce to bringing him together with the love of his life, doing something fresh and new. Whatever, whatever it is that you think God can't do, he's looking for humble servants who will say, God, I don't know how, but use me. And may I give you glory and honor through your unlikely choice in my life and with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words that speak to us. Thank you for your a story and your word that always does things the way that we wouldn't have done them. So Lord, today, may you humble us. May you forgive us for wanting to be the hero. And we want to take on your humility and just be a part of your incredible story that's transforming the world. May you unite our hearts, God, as people who don't bicker and fight over who's the hero and who's right. May we, we, we unite as humble servants to be people that are part of your incredible story that you're doing through us and through this church. Lord, today for those who are here that have lived under the shadow of hurts, brokenness, pain, regrets, mistakes, things that, things that their fathers have said to them or things that their father never did say to them that they should have. Things that mothers have said to them that they shouldn't have and things that mothers have have never said to them that they should have. God, may you restore. May you heal. May you ignite the faith in us to believe that you aren't looking for heroes. You're looking for people just like us. And you want to tell an incredible story through our lives. Lord, we invite you into our hu humanness. 
and we celebrate your faithfulness through your testimony that tells us over and over and over again in the scriptures that you delight in unlikely choices. So Lord, we thank you and we love you for this beautiful story of Christmas. If you could also just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today, nobody's looking around and you've never genuinely received Christ and asked him to just give you a new start, to cleanse you and to forgive you. If you would like to receive the salvation he's already purchased for you and give your life to him, just raise your hand right where you are, lift it up and put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen, thank you. Anyone else want to receive that today? Bless you, thank you, thank you. What a great, great choice you've made. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're all going to pray it together. And let's just pray as a family. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive your salvation. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for raising from the dead. Forgive me and cleanse me. Give me a new start. Choose me. An unlikely choice. But a likely choice from you. To do your will. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God a hand today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.